to you from E-Town Hall in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains, it's E-Town. This week we're featuring some of the very best in both bluegrass and acoustic music from the E-Town archives. I'm Helen Forster. Right now, here comes our host, Nick Forster. Thanks, Ellen. Welcome, everybody, to E-Town. We have got something special for you all this week. As you know, back in 2020, when things shut down, we started exploring our archives, and we were both amazed and delighted to find that not only had we kept good track of all the recordings of all the shows, we rediscovered how many amazing songs and stories we'd captured over the more than three decades of E-Town. For this week, we began with the idea of sharing with you some of the best bluegrass and bluegrass-related songs from the archives and putting together kind of a compilation. And we came up with a great collection of potential songs. But one thing I noticed was that over the years, we had been lucky to welcome some really iconic musicians in that style to our stage, pioneers, innovators, who are no longer with us. So for this week's show, we changed our plan. We decided to feature four of those lost legends and dive a little deeper than just playing one of their songs. Those four are Earl Scruggs, Doc Watson, Ralph Stanley, and John Hartford. Each of them changed the shape of bluegrass and acoustic music for generations to come. And we got to spend some time with them. So, so here we go. Up first, Doc Watson was born in Deep Gap, North Carolina in March of 1923. He was blind by the time he was two, and yet he was determined to make some music any way he could. He started with a harmonica. Uh, he tied a piece of wire to a barn door and started to make music with that, but pretty soon he had a guitar, and he was really, really good at that. He played electric guitar and honky-tonks in the 50s. He tuned pianos for a living. And by the early 60s, he was playing acoustic music and traveling to New York and playing at the Newport Folk Festival and other places. And like so many, I couldn't believe what I heard when I first heard his record that came out on Vanguard. And like thousands of others, I set out to try to imitate him and never could. Doc was an amazing musician, singer, player. He knew and remembered so many traditional songs and contemporary songs from his youth. He came to E-Town a couple of times, but... Before that, for many years, our paths crossed at festivals and concerts all over the country, first with his son Merle and later with T. Michael Coleman and Jack Lawrence. Here are a few pieces from Doc's visits to E-Town. This first batch recorded at Merle Fest in North Carolina back in 1994. Here's the late, great Doc Watson. Thank you so much. Thank you. Boys, let's do a little dab of that there, Make Me Down a Pallet on the Floor, a song I learned from Brother John Hurt. Make me down a pallet on your floor. Make me down a pallet on your floor. Honey, make it down, make it soft and low Then maybe my good gal, she won't know I'm going up the country through that sleet and snow I'm going up the country through that sleet and snow I'm going up the country through that sleet and snow 
Ain't no telling just how far I'll go Get breakfast here and dinner in Tennessee Breakfast here and dinner in Tennessee Gonna get my breakfast here, my dinner in Tennessee I told you I was a-coming, so you better look for me Make me down a pallet on your floor Make me down a pallet on your floor Honey, make it down, make it soft and low Then maybe my good gal, she won't know All right, Jackson That I can't lay down on your bed Hey woman, I can't lay down on that bed No sweet thing, I can't lay down across your pretty bed Cause my good woman, she might kill me dead <laughs> And don't you let my good gal catch you here Hey, don't you let my good gal catch you here If you do, she may shoot you She may cut and stop you too <laughs> No telling what that woman might do Make me down a pallet on your floor Make me down a pallet on your floor Honey, make it down, make it soft and low Then maybe my good gal, she won't know Back and shoulders tied. Yeah, the way I've been sleeping, my back and shoulders tied. The way I've been sleeping, my back and shoulders tired. I think I'll turn and try sleeping on my side. Take a break, Michael. so much. Thank you. I'd like to do an old-time ballad here that I learned from my father-in-law, the late Gaither Carlton. It's called Georgie. As I walked over London Bridge, I I heard a fair young maiden say, Lord, spare me the life of Georgie. Go saddle me up my milk-white steed and bridle him so gaily. Then I'll ride away to the king's high court and plead for the life of Georgie. She rode all day and she rode all night till she was wet and weary. Then combing back her long yellow hair She pled for the life of Georgie Then 
Then she pulled out a purse all filled with gold Just like you've never seen many And she said, young lawyers, be yourselves And plead for the life of Georgie But Georgie rode up and he pled for himself He says, I never murdered any But I stole sixteen of the king's besties And sold them in Ronaimi Then the oldest lawyer at the bar says, George, I'm sorry for you, but your own confession condemns you to die. May the Lord have mercy upon you. Then as George walked on through the streets, he bid farewell to many. He bid farewell to his own true love, which grieved him worse than any. Well, if I was over on yonder hill where kisses I've had a plenty, with my sword and pistol by my side, I'd fight for the life of Georgie. Georgie was hanged with a golden cord just like you've never seen many. For he was a member of the royal race and loved by a virtuous lady. Now, Doc, let me just, um, I want to ask you about the first time you got a harmonica, because I know we had talked once before about how you used to take pieces of wire and string them onto barn doors and whatever you could think of to make music. Well, uh, my dad bought me for Christmas the first harmonica I got. I was six years old and I surely couldn't play the thing then, that's for sure. Dad was singing leader at the church and he knew shape notes and he got the thing and blew on it a little bit and he said, now son, there's notes on this thing just like you hear me sing in the songbook like, do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do. And then he played them on the harmonica. He said, some of them you push and some of them you pull. The same year, he made me a, a little fretless banjo. Now, I'm not going into detail, but uh, he saw uh, an advertisement in Sears Robot Catalog for a Joe Rogers catskin banjo head. Well, to make a long story short, my grandmother didn't have the money to have the vet to put the poor old thing to sleep, so he, she hired my brother to uh, put it to sleep, and uh, <laughs> Dad fixed the skin and a fine banjo head. It was, you could read a newspaper through it. It was so beautiful. But I understand the cat had already lived a good long life at that time. 20, the cat had lived 21 years. Yeah. Couldn't eat, couldn't walk, couldn't see. There you go. And then you had yourself a banjo, and it was a good-sounding banjo at that. Well, it was a fairly good-sounded banjo for one without frets. I, yeah. I had a little bit of a hard time of learning to do what I could hear my dad do on that thing. But, you know, when I got to where I could pick pretty good, he handed it to me one day, only it was a better one. By that time, he'd bought me one with frets, and he said, I said, Dad, play me a tune on that thing like you used to. And he said, oh, you can beat me all to pieces, son. Pick me some. <laughs> never played it no more. He never picked it up again. Wow. 
Well, you did go away to school to the state school for the blind for a little while. And that must have been like going to the moon for somebody. Well, uh, yeah. it was bad because you couldn't come home until a full term was over. They later, the year I quit, they started letting us come home at Christmas. <laughs> Just in time. I started to high school, but I didn't like it and I quit. Yeah. <laughs> But, but around that time, you got a guitar, and that was really, uh, that kind of clicked for well, you. Well, now, I was in my early teens when I got that guitar. My brother had borrowed one uh, the year before that from one of my cousins, and Dad said, son, if you'll learn to play a tune on that thing when I get in from work, it was on Friday, he said, tomorrow we'll go to town, and you can take the money out of your piggy bank, and I'll finish it up, and we'll buy you a little guitar. It was a Stella. Cost 12 bucks, and I wish I had it yet. <laughs> well, you know, Doc, I'm just assuming that everybody out here is as interested as I am in your story, and I know that we're also just as interested to hear you play, and uh, I'm going to get out of here and, and let Doc get back to playing some more music. Welcome back, if you would, D-Town, Doc Watson. Thank you, Nick. Here's a song that was written about the way trains used to sound and the way they looked. It's called Greenville Trussell and it was written by a fellow named Jimmy Jett. Lives over near Raleigh, North Carolina, or he did. trains as they go by and the whistles lonesome sound you could hear for miles around as they rolled across that greenville trussell high but the whistles don't sound like they used to lately not many trains go by hard times across the land me no work for a railroad and the Greenville Trussell not old seaside. I'll play it pretty soon. Yeah. On the river bank I'd stand with my cane pole in my hand And I'd watch the freight trains up against the sky That old black smoke trailing back As they moved along the track That runs across that Greenville trussel high But the whistles don't sound like they used to Lately not many trains go by Hard times across the land Me no work for a railroad man And the Greenville Trussell Held on me so high 
when the lonesome whistles whine, I get rambling on my mind. Lord, I wish they still sounded that way. As I turn to head for home, oh, she'd rumble low and long toward the sunset at the close of day. But the whistles don't sound like they used to. Lately, not many trains go by. Hard times across the land mean no work for a railroad man. And the Greenville trussles now don't seem so high. Oh, the Greenville trussles now don't seem so high. All right, that was Doc Watson live from E-Town. Coming up, we're going to hear some songs and stories from John Hartford, Ralph Stanley, and Earl Scruggs after a break. This portion of E-Town is made possible by the Bohemian Foundation, building stronger communities through the Bohemian qualities of creativity and imagination on the web at bohemianfoundation.org. As a reminder, for your viewing pleasure, there are over 2,000 videos on the E-Town YouTube channel, where you can also subscribe in order to stay up to date with our latest offerings. You're listening to E-Town. Welcome back. I'm Nick Forster. You are listening to E-Town as we hear from some of the lost legends of bluegrass and acoustic music from deep in the E-Town archives. Up next, John Hartford. He grew up in St. Louis where he fell in love with the banjo and the fiddle and the Mississippi River. He moved to Nashville in the mid-60s. And along the way, he wrote what has become one of the most performed songs on radio in U.S. history, Gentle on My Mind. He was on TV with the Smothers Brothers and Glenn Campbell, and I saw him for the first time with what he called the Aeroplane Band, probably around 1971, along with Tut Taylor and Norman Blake and Vassar Clements. For a long time, uh, my band and John Hartford had the same agent, Keith Case. So we saw each other often at festivals. Mostly John was just an amazing performer, one-man band, who could play and sing and dance at the same time, shuffling his feet on an amplified piece of four by eight double A plywood that added the uh, percussion. He became a riverboat pilot. He stayed connected to rivers all his life and he died too young at 63. He was a free spirit given his financial freedom, I guess, by writing one amazing song. We're gonna share two versions of that song, Gentle On My Mind, one recorded in our very first season back in 1991 and one recorded 10 years later, a few months before John died. Before that, we're going to play one of his songs from that first visit to E-Town. This one is actually talking about one of his heroes, whom we'll hear from later in this show, Earl Scruggs. This is one called The Boys from North Carolina. 
Here's John Hartford. Say it comes a rolling down the hollers of old Ireland and up the mountains of East Tennessee from back in North Carolina with Scottish tones and Indian moans and wails of railroad liners. They helped along that old time song, the boys from North Carolina. It rolled and growed all in the West, way out in old Missouri. And then took off around the world like lightning in its fury. There ain't no age you sound the string in major or in minor. It disappears all in the years and brings a laugh throughout the tears from the boys in North Carolina. Kentucky is the bluegrass state, her sunny skies define her. The western slope of East Tennessee, there nothing could be finer. The northern boys, to make more noise, the pick could not be finer. To make that sound and get it down, it helps if you have been around. The boy from North Carolina, he stood in line around the block right back here at the Ryman. To hear that lick, that old mule kick from the boy from North Carolina. Gastonia to Boylan Springs, from Flint Hill back to Charlotte. To try to find the place of birth, still talking about who played it first of the boys from North Carolina.
It's knowing that your door is always open and your path is free to walk. It makes me tend to leave my sleeping bag rolled up and stashed behind your couch. And it's knowing I'm not shackled by forgotten words and bonds and ink stains that have dried upon some line. It keeps you in the back roads by the rivers of my memory. It keeps you ever gentle on my mind. It's not clinging to the rocks and ivy planted on their columns now that binds me. Or something that somebody said because they thought we'd fit together walking. It's just knowing that the world will not be cursing or forgiving when I walk along some railroad track and find that you're waving from the back roads by the rivers of my memory. For hours are just gentle on my mind. All oh, the wheat fields and the clotheslines and the junkyards and the highways come between us. And some mother woman crying to her mother cause she turned and I was gone. I still might run in silence, tears of joy might stain my face, and the summer sun might burn me till I'm blind. Not to where I cannot see you walking on the back roads By the rivers flowing gentle on my mind My cup of soup back from the gurgling, crackling cauldron in some train yard. My beard roughing in coal pile, my dirty hat pulled low across my face. Through cupped hands round a tin can, I pretend to hold you to my breast and find that you're waving from the back roads by the rivers of my memory, ever smiling, ever gentle on my mind. John Hartford. We're going to go to my conversation now with John Hartford that was recorded in Boulder a few months before John died. He was with us along with David Grisman and Mike Seeger. Their band was called Retrograss. We got to spend the day together, and at our house that day, John put both his hands on our kitchen table and recognized that his left hand wasn't working anymore. His right hand was, but the cancer that he was dealing with was taking its toll. So that evening, when it came time to play, he had asked me to sit in because he couldn't use his left hand. He could use his right hand to pick the banjo, but he couldn't really use his left hand. Anyway, this is a bittersweet moment to remember, but here's my conversation with an ailing John Hartford, live on stage at E-Town.
John, before we get back to music, I thought I'd just spend a little time talking to you, hey, if that's all, all right. right. Now, do you still have the inclination to do the riverboat trips that you used to do? Well, I haven't done them in a couple of years. My health has been in pretty bad shape. So I've usually been working in the upper Mississippi between Leclerc, Iowa, and Galena, Illinois, on a boat called the Twilight. And uh, I haven't had the strength for it in the last two years. Yeah. My health hasn't been good enough. Yeah. So but I uh, sure miss it. But we live right on the Cumberland River. Mile 200.8 left, right descending bank there, crossing the foot old lock too. And that's the kind of information you have to know if you're going to be a pilot of a riverboat, which you are also. He knows where he's from, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I take it you don't watch a lot of TV. Yeah, I do, as a matter of oh, fact. Oh, really? <laughs> Some of the dumbest stuff I ever saw. <laughs> I'm an old codger, so I get up early in the morning, and sometimes I watch Imus in the morning. He's pretty funny. He hates everybody. It's radio on television. Should we be a little bit more grumpy around here, do you think, for the radio show? Oh, no, 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 no. We could, we could hate some more stuff, I think stuff, you're doing just fine. I think okay. this, is a, this is a fine radio show. Oh, good, this good. Is, this is a good radio show as a feller would want to listen to. All right. Yeah. Thank you, John. Now, now, one of the... Uh, <coughs> One of the quotes that I always attributed to you, and I'm pretty sure it came from you years and years ago, was, uh, don't get famous doing something you don't like to do. Oh, yeah. Is that one of yours? Here's the way it goes. <laughs> and I'll say it in the first person. I do what's in my heart, and if it works, that's great. And if it doesn't work, at least I haven't wasted my time. The converse of that, which proves the thing, is that if you do something you don't like, the worst thing that could happen to you would be that you'd be successful at it. Please welcome back to E-Town, David Grisman, John Hartford, Mike Seeger, Retrograss. It's knowing that your door is always open and your path is free to water. That makes me tend to leave my sleeping bag rolled up and stashed behind your couch. It's knowing I'm not shackled by forgotten words and bonds and ink stains that are dried upon By the rivers of my memory It keeps you ever gentle on my mind. It's not clinging to the box And ivy planted on their columns Now that binds me Or something that somebody said Because they thought we fit together walking 
knowing that the world will not be cursing or forgiving when I walk along some railroad track and find that you're waving from the back roads by the rivers of my memory for hours you're just gentle on my mind And the highways come between us And some other woman crying to her mother Cause she turned and I was gone I still might run in silence Tears of joy might stain my face And a summer sun might burn me But not to where I cannot see you Walking on the back roads By the rivers flowing gentle on my mind Nick Blake Yeah, Nick Forster right here Gurgling, crackling, cauldron in some train yard My beard roughing in coal pile And a dirty hat pulled low across my face Through cupped hands round a tin can I pretend to hold you to my breast and find You're waving from the back roads By the rivers of my memory Ever smiling, ever gentle on my mind John Hartford, riverboat pilot, songwriter, musical pioneer, father of newgrass music, live on stage at E-Town. Up next, one of the most distinctive voices in bluegrass music, 
Ralph Stanley. Ralph was born in 1927 in McClure, Virginia. He learned to play the banjo from his mother. He started playing music with his brother Carter as soon as Ralph got out of the Army back in 1946. He had such a distinctive high tenor voice, you could pick it out anywhere. And of course, he had a long career after his brother Carter died in 1966. Ralph Stanley was just a really great guy, uh, a jovial, entertaining musician. And we were so honored to have him on E-Town a couple of times. Here's some music from Ralph Stanley and the Clinch Mountain Boys, recorded in Boulder, live on E-Town. And now I'm going to try to do a solo for you. We get a lot of requests for this one, and I may uh, put a little tag on the end of this. Uh, what is the name of that, Ralph? Yeah, the room at the top of the stairs. You know I'm getting so forgetful here lately. I don't know where I'm at. And I got worried about it, folks. I went to the doctor. The doctor said, what's wrong with you? I said, I can't remember anything anymore. He said, how long have you been that way? I said, what way? <laughs> room at the top of the stairs and a little touch of little Maggie.
I'll get me another woman. You can get you another man. Now, I think most of our listeners probably have heard somewhere along the line that you grew up in the hills of Virginia around the town of McClure and that neighborhood. What's that part of Virginia like? Maybe just give them a picture of what that landscape is like where you grew up. Well, it's sort of in the hills, you know. There are a lot of hills and mountains and see a lot of pretty trees and woods and so forth. It's just sort of way back in the sticks, you know, but I like it there. Yeah. And uh, is the, uh, the nearest town to where you live, is, uh, how many people are in that town? I live out in the country, you know, but I guess the county seat probably got uh, maybe two or 3,000 people. Yeah. <laughs> Big place. Yeah, it's pretty big. <laughs> now, uh, let me ask you about when you got back from uh, the service in 1946, I guess it was. Yeah, I got back in 1946, yeah. Did you know know that you and Carter were going to have a career in music right as soon as you got home? Well, I was in hopes, and we wanted to. Yeah. Looks like it's turned out good for us. (laughs) Now, uh, you know, you once ran for a political office, I understand, and I heard that there was some dirty dealings and some... They took advantage of you. Didn't treat you right. Well, I think I think there's a little bit of dirty uh, politics, you know. Republicans and Democrats, you know, they get together and trade people off. One side wants to elect somebody, and they'll get the other side to help them elect him to beat the rest of the ticket. Right, but I think it's uh, I think we're lucky that you didn't win because Lord have mercy. <laughs> Now, uh, Ralph, it's an honor to have you back on the show and spend time with you. I was, felt lucky always in the 70s and uh, 80s. We got to work a lot of festivals together. And, we did. Uh, it's, a, it's been a pleasure to keep in touch and have you back on E-Town. Well, I'm certainly glad to be back out here. I believe this makes your second time here, yeah, doesn't it? that's right. Yeah. And I'm, I thank, want to thank you, and I'm really proud to get to come out this way. All right. Thank you, Ralph. We're going to end this segment with part of a song, Ralph Stanley singing a cappella. It's a song he often sang live on stage. And of course, it was included in the film, the soundtrack, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou?, which was a big deal for Ralph. He had a great boost to his career when that movie came out. Here's Ralph Stanley singing the cheery little number, Oh Death, live on E-Town. Well, what is this? That I can't see with ice cold hand taking hold of me. Well, I am dead. None can excel. I'll open the door to heaven or hell. Oh, death, someone would pray. Could you wait to call me another day? The children prayed, the preacher preached, time and mercy are out of your reach. I'll fix your feet till you can't walk, I'll lock your jaw till you can't talk. Death, I come. 
to take the soul, leave the body and leave it cold, to drop the flesh right off the frame, the earth and worm both have a claim, oh death, oh Won't you spare me over till another year? Won't you spare me over till another year? Thank you. We'll be back after a break with some music and conversation from the legendary Earl Scruggs. Your visit to E-Town is made possible in part by the Scientific and Cultural Facilities District, or SCFD, one of the largest cultural funding mechanisms in the United States, supporting nearly 300 organizations in the greater Denver area. Hey, if you're curious about E-Town's home base, E-Town Hall, our beautiful solar-powered music venue, community center, and recording studio in downtown Boulder, Colorado, you can learn more about it on our website, etown.org. You're listening to E-Town. Nick Forster, like to say hello to our listeners who are hearing E-Town right now on stations like KDLG in Dillingham, Alaska, on KRML in Carmel, California, and on KDNK in Carbondale, Colorado, the first station to commit to carrying E-Town back in 1991. As always, if you'd like more information about any of the stuff that happens here, so much is online at etown.org. You can find out how to buy tickets to live shows. You can see videos and photos. And don't forget to check out our YouTube channel, and watch all kinds of stuff that we've been making over the years. Welcome back. As we continue to explore some lost legends of bluegrass and acoustic music, some of you may be wondering why we're focusing on these four legendary musicians. And I guess the reason is that if you're a fan of Billy Strings or the Grateful Dead or the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band or country music or all kinds of different stuff, these artists influence the music you love and listen to today. I'm sure of it. Up next, we're going to feature a legend in the five-string banjo, Mr. Earl Scruggs. Earl was born in North Carolina in 1924. When he was still a teenager, he developed a pretty distinctive and unique way of playing the banjo. People call it three-finger style or Scruggs style. It really only involves two fingers and the thumb. But he did it like nobody else, and he joined Bill Monroe's band, the Bluegrass Boys, and in the late 40s had his debut on the Grand Ole Opry at the Ryman Auditorium in Nashville, 
just walking out on stage and playing with Bill Monroe for the first time, they got encore after encore. People had not heard anything like it. And it changed the shape of bluegrass music from that moment forward. Earl was a prolific musician who loved all kinds of styles. He loved uh, all kinds of contemporary music as well as bluegrass. And of course, once he split off from Bill Monroe's band and he formed his own with Lester Flatt, Lester Flat, Earl Scruggs, and the Foggy Mountain Boys, they really took off. They, of course, were famous for the theme song for the Beverly Hillbillies television show, the theme song to the film Bonnie and Clyde. He formed his own band with his sons later in the early 70s called the Earl Scruggs Review. And like Doc Watson and others, he was included in the Will the Circle Be Unbroken project with the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band, giving him a whole other launch to his career. He continued to innovate and cross boundaries and borders musically throughout his life. He would occasionally take breaks and not perform for a while, but towards the end of his life, he put a band together and would go out and play festivals. I did get to visit with Earl Scruggs and his wife Louise at their house in Nashville, and he told me some great stories about the early days of being in Bill Monroe's band and just music in general. He was a congenial, good-hearted guy, great player, and uh, we were lucky to get to spend some time with him. Here's a song and a part of my conversation with Earl Scruggs that we recorded at Chautauqua Auditorium back in 2006, live from E-Town Archives. Being with Bill Monroe's Bluegrass Boys must have been a big responsibility and a big opportunity, too, when that chance finally came. And I know the first time you played the Opry, as I understand it, they ate it up. Yeah, there used to be a great announcer there that really started the Grand Ole Opry. His name was George D. Hay, and he he liked my picking, too, and that was unusual because he was so authentic and liked old-time music. But he'd always put me on, 
Here's Earl Scruggs with his fancy five-string banjo. <laughs> and then uh, once you left Bill's band and you founded the Foggy Mountain Boys with Lester Flatt, mm -hmm. you guys had to do some moving around. Curly Seckler said that you drive 2,500 miles a week. Well, I'll tell you what it was. Yeah, we had a live radio show at 545, five days a week. You have to get up about 2 o'clock and try to get awake enough to try to get a 545 radio program on, do 15 minutes, and by that time you'd be awake by the time it's over. <laughs> go back to the house and try to go to sleep. Couldn't go to sleep and have to leave at 11 or 12 o'clock, go back out on the road and play another show date. And our sponsor was Martha White, who was selling cornmeal and flour and table products. Of course, they put us on television as well as radio. Monday was Augusta, Georgia, Tuesday, Atlanta, Wednesday was Florence, South Carolina, Thursday was Huntington, West Virginia, and Friday was Jackson, Tennessee, Saturday was WSM Television and the Grand Ole Opry. And those were all TV shows? Live television. Live television. Yeah. yeah. So that's a lot of travel. Mm -hmm. Trouble was with a car, you know, five or six people in a car and a bass fiddle tied on the top. And Hats laying back there where somebody lay their arm up there and mash it flat as a flitter. <laughs> but uh, it's fun after we all made up after the fight. <laughs> well, now, television kept you guys kind of elevated from a lot of the other people, gave you more exposure? Gave us good exposure, yeah. sure did. And we had her turn the radio on. They got us in the morning, turned TV at us in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that was really unusual about you was in 1955, your late wife, Louise, became your booking agent and mm -hmm. helped manage the group. Mm -hmm. She also, as I understand it, was the one who helped you get up to Newport Folk Festival the first time and encouraged mm -hmm. you to try to experiment with that audience. Yeah, they really wanted the banjo up there and uh, they wanted us to come to... Hollywood, Los Angeles, and play a, what they call a coffee house, a little room in California. So we went out there and played that for two weeks or something like that. And in the audience, while we was doing those shows, was a guy by the name of Paul Henning. And at the time, he had written a show called The Beverly Hillbillies. And he told us later that he made up his mind then, if the network bought his show, he's going to look us up to do the theme song. And they called Louise, and she turned it down. <laughs> said, I'm afraid of that. So I don't know what people in California would think of a hillbilly, so. But they, they uh, had the first show already filmed, no music on it, and showed us the first Beverly Hillbilly show so they, the rich people, but they'll never spend a nickel, no flashy clothes or anything, never expose anything. So they convinced us that they were real country people with great uh, minds. <laughs> Down to earth, you know. So it Especially was, it Jethro. Was, <laughs> well, you've got to throw in a little bit of comedy with any show, right. you know. So they 
put Jethro on there and make it fun and put me on there to cool it down, I reckon. <laughs> well, it's been an incredible ride, and I think of the uh, choices you've made and the fact that you've been able to stay current and stay creative all these years. 82 years old, still out there playing. You've got, as you said, one of the hottest bands you've ever had in your life. Yeah. Out here oh, playing. Oh, God, I can't die now. I'm going to pick a while if I can. <laughs> well, with that, we should probably get back to music. <laughs> Welcome back, if you would, along with this really great band from Nashville, one and only Mr. Earl Scruggs. Thank you. Thank you very much. We're going to wrap things up with one of Earl's biggest hits, The Foggy Mountain Breakdown. Earl, of course, was in his early 80s when he was on our show, and it was pretty remarkable that he could still play this cleanly and this fast at that age. Thanks so much for being a part of this show as we spent some time revisiting some moments with these lost legends of bluegrass and acoustic music. I want to thank our production team of Todd Ayers and James Tuttle, Special thanks to Helen Forster. I'm Nick Forster. Hope you can be with us next week right here in E-Town. This is a production of E-Town.